Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Get over to Leon Tailoring for that young person who graduated. Congratulations, by the way. And make sure they've got the clothes for that big job interview. Hey, the economy may be good, but you still got to dress for success. And Leon Tailoring, they can help your young person do that with the professional wardrobe and attire that they need. And so all those years of college and getting a degree do not go to waste. So Leon Tailoring, the perfect place to get your young professional off to that start in the world of work. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, 2023 was a big year, and who knows what's in store for 2024 with the presidential race, a gubernatorial race, a U.S. Senate race, and every other race in between. And so we got our political panel together to talk about the big issues of 2023 as well as what's ahead in 2024. And join us is Republican Cam Carter, Democrat Lindsey Haig, and Libertarian Epic Man. So Cam, Lindsey, Evan, thank you all very, very much for being with us. I hope your holiday season is going well. And to you. Thanks for having me. All righty. Um, all right, great. Well, let's start with uh, what I would say is the biggest, I would say technically uh, is the biggest political story uh, of this year. Uh, matter of fact, I would say it's like the, maybe the biggest political story in a, in a long time here uh, in Indiana. A Marion County judge, Judge Patrick Dietrich, ruled that an Indiana election law that limits candidates from appearing on the ballot in primaries is unconstitutional. Now, this ruling comes from a lawsuit filed by Southern Indiana egg farmer and U.S. Senate candidate John Russ. He filed to get on the ballot but had not voted in the two last Republican primaries. It was told by the Jackson County chairwoman that she would not sign a letter that Russ was a good standing with the party, uh, two elements required by law. Judge Dietrich, Republican, said the law violated federal and state constitutional grounds, on, constitution on several grounds. And so, Cam, we'll start with you. Uh, your thoughts and your reaction to uh, Judge Dietrich's ruling. Well, uh, I guess I should first say that I'm not an attorney, so I'm, I'm analyzing it merely as a, as a lay person and someone who's been involved with campaigns and politics over the course of, of my career. And I would say it has to contend as one of the biggest political stories of the year. Uh, you know, uh, it, it will be interesting to see uh, whether it uh, stands up on appeal. Um, if it does, then it's, a, it's another game changer in terms of how the uh, parties can, um, I guess, police themselves or, or govern their nomination uh, processes. Um, you know, I think that's the bottom line, and we have to wait to see what the, what the net effect is. Um, personally, I like to see a little bit more uh, competition uh, and, and uh, challenges in primary races. I think, you know, uh, steel sharpens steel. And uh, it, it's probably good for little d uh, d democracy in, in the long run. Um, it also begs the question of whether other requirements, uh, like right now we have, what, five or six good, uh, Republican gubernatorial candidates and at least one Democrat that I'm aware of, um, uh, pursuing uh, uh, signatures to get on the ballot. Um, same for other other statewide uh, races like uh, U.S. Senate. So it will it will be interesting to see if this court case ha has any effect on on that process as well. Uh, Lindsay, what's your reaction to the judge's decision this past week? Well, I'm also interested to see if it stands on appeal as well. Uh, one could certainly argue that this decision removes barriers for new Hoosiers, for new residents, new Hoosiers, and young adults wanting to run for office. So I agree with Cam's assessment that it's great for small-D democracy, but I do worry it will not uh, be upheld. I worry that, that, it, that, it will be, um, that the appeal will be successful. And, of course, the question I always ask is this job security, of course, for, for the bedraggled 
uh, Jim Bopp to get another gig uh, advocating in front of the Supreme Court. I guess we'll see. Diego will probably hire him again. Uh, so I do think it's interesting, um, without a doubt. I'm not sure if it'll be if it'll go down in history as being one of the the most important decisions in perhaps the decade. But I do think it's a very significant decision this year, and and I'm I'm very interested to see how it all plays out. Evan, love to get your thoughts on this because Libertarians, you guys don't hold primaries. You have nominating conventions uh, to nominate your candidates. That's correct, but but this really stems to a ballot access issue. And, and libertarians and, and the Green Party, we live and die by ballot access questions. So we've been studying this in and out and, and been watching this case and have our own opinions on, on what will happen. But I think Judge Dietrich got it right. The plain reading of the law and the state constitution and the U.S. Constitution are clear. There is no state interest here, especially since you know the, the, the two parties um, want to have it both ways. They want to pick their candidate, which is what they should do and what we do. We as a party hold a convention and we pick our candidate as our standard bearer for our party name. Republicans and Democrats want to do the same thing, which is why they put these requirements in for the signature of the county chair. But they also want it to be publicly funded. And when you make it something publicly funded, well, now the public gets to choose your candidate and your standard bearer. You can't have it both ways. So I, I think this was a great ruling, and I think plain text reading, it should be upheld. Where Why it won't be upheld is if politics get involved and it becomes the protection of the two major parties. Uh, and, you know, the courts never do that. Um, but I, I would like to see it upheld, and I, I think moving forward, they're going to have to examine whether or not they want to maintain this primary system or if they want to do what we do, which is hold a convention, nominate your candidates. Those are your party standard bearer. And we have contested conventions and contested nominations in Indiana. We have it right now. We have three people running for our gubernatorial nomination. That will be settled at our convention. And if we can do it with the limited resources we have, I know the Republican and Democrat Party they can do it, too. Cam, what I thought was interesting in, in uh, Judge, Dietrich's, Judge Dietrich's decision uh, was the fact that uh, he said it violated the U.S. and the state constitutions. The, the U.S. Constitution said it violated the 1st, the 14th, and actually the 17th Amendment, which uh, which uh, dealt, with, dealt with the appointment of senators, which I thought was interesting. But even more enlightening was the Indiana part, because he said by requiring a candidate to have run in two primaries before they can get on the ballot is, ask, is putting an additional qualification on that office. And the Constitution clearly does not say uh, what that is. Uh, yeah, and again, as, uh, I'll, let, I'll let the lawyers and the judges argue this. It will be fascinating. But, uh, you know, again, as a, as a lay reader of those documents, uh, I think Judge Dietrich probably had it right. I mean, he was looking at something and thought that, uh, that this ruling was the correct one. Uh, again, we'll just have to see if it, if it uh, you know, stands up on, on appeal. And I, I did find it interesting that, that he cited both uh, the, the, the U.S. Constitution and the, and the state of Indiana's Constitution in, in, in the ruling. Um, but, you know, it, who knows where this is going to go? Uh, I, I just don't. Again, as a, as a, 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 a layman, uh, someone who's involved in politics, who has worked on ballot access issues for candidates to qualify and run, um, this is this is a complete game changer if it if it moves forward. And again, it could have uh, other follow-on effects uh, that that are um, not a, not in evidence today. Uh, Lindsay, what do you think about the about the signature requirement? Because uh, Judge Dietrich also in his ruling uh, sort of mentioned that the that the signature requirement may be 
uh, sort of next to the what, what's the real reason uh, to do that. Now, I've been told that the signature requirement has been upheld, so I'm going to do some research on that. Uh, but do you think the signature requirement uh, has the possibility of being thrown out uh, if someone else decides to do a challenge? Ooh, that's a great question. I hmm, I don't know if I want to go out on a limb and say I sure hope so, but man, that certainly is a barrier, isn't it? I mean, you've got uh, you've got a number of candidates who who have frequently found themselves. I mean, with this was what was it two was it 2016 where we found Todd Young fighting over five signatures in front of the election uh, division. Wasn't that a a thing. And so uh, I, I'm sure this would be a happily tossed away <laughs> requirement for getting on the ballot. Um, but that would really surprise me. That would be a really, now that would be a game changer. Uh, Evan, I'll give you the last word on this topic before we move on to our next one. Your thoughts on the signature requirement? Yeah, I just want to say if Republicans and Democrats think 500 signatures per congressional district is hard, I'd, I'd like for them to look to see what it takes for a minor party to even get on the ballot. You're talking 30,000 signatures just to qualify, and those have to be valid signatures, and 50% of your signatures are going to be invalidated. So you're talking about 100,000 signatures that you have to get just to get on the ballot. So if they think 500 per congressional district is hard, Maybe they should examine the actual uh, minor party signature requirements as well. But I believe they should be thrown out. Our guests on the program are Republican Cam Carter, uh, Lindsey Hake, uh, Democrat strategist, Evan McMahon, chairman of the Libertarian Party of Indiana. Our guests on the program today, as we sort of look back at 2022, 2023 of the year, uh, 2024, uh, in review, uh, another big story uh, is everybody's favorite attorney general, Todd Uh let me, where, where do I begin? Uh, full disclosure, the, the Attorney General and I were involved in litigation uh, earlier this year over ba- over access to his media things. Uh, we ended up settling. So without the way, he's in hot water again, this time with the Indiana Disciplinary Commission, uh, becoming the Indiana Second Attorney General uh, to be brought up on charges uh, related to a statement about an Indiana abortion doctor in the summer of 2022. Uh, the Disciplinary Commission uh, filed three charges against Rakita, all related to breaches of confidentiality. It's up to the high court to decide whether any misconduct occurred and what, if any, sanctions warranted. Uh, and after reaching an agreement, Rokita argued that his First Amendment rights were being violated. Uh, Rokita could lose his law license, a number of different penalties uh, on deck. Uh, Lindsay, we'll start with you. Uh, is this the last straw for Todd Rokita? Oh, man. I don't think, unfortunately, and I, I need to throw this out there as a disclaimer, I am working for Destiny Wells, his opponent on the Democrat side. So um, everybody take a look at Wells for Indiana. We're always interested in gaining support from every side of uh, the political spectrum. And I'm not necessarily sure this is Todd's last, uh, this is not going to be his last issue. No, not at all. Um, I do think we will expect some action out of the disciplinary commission. What that is, I don't know yet. I guess we'll we'll have to see. But no, um, I, I think uh, Attorney General Rokita has certainly got um, leaning in. He's certainly got a, an issue in there, leaning into the Trump argument regarding the First Amendment. And uh, the fact is, unfortunately, you know these candidates who can't shut up, um, unfortunately, get a lot of attention, and that's why they do it. So, no, I don't think this is the last of his issues at all. Uh, Cam, you're a Republican. You've known Todd Rakita for years, so just like I have. What's his, what's his problem? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, uh, pugnacity, maybe. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think um, I think that uh, Attorney General Todd Rakita, who I have known uh, personally and politically over the years, um, is in trouble with the disciplinary commission again because of a lack of discipline on his part. 
on public statements that, uh, again, as a layperson, seem to be um, at odds with uh, the requirements of the legal profession and or uh, pleadings or, or documents or affidavits or, or legally binding documents that he has he has signed in, in these proceedings, um, you know, and I think that the I don't know if it's a need to be right or a, a, just a combative nature or to have the last word um, that that he's creating problems for himself at this time. I saw where he said the other day that, you know, his political opponents were, were behind all of this. I, I don't think that's the case, given what uh, we heard from the Supreme Court, I guess, the first time around where uh, there seemed to be some unanimity on uh, uh, what occurred and the need for discipline. I don't think this is going to be the, the, you know, the, the last of it or, the, you know, a, a, a nail in, in his political coffin. Uh, in, in many quarters, this, this may actually uh, help his political uh, standing. Um, and the disciplinary commission and the Supreme Court have any number or levels of uh, disciplinary actions and severity of those actions that they can choose from if, if that's warranted here in the future. Uh, Evan, your thoughts on the Attorney General and, and his latest controversy? Uh, you know, seeing Attorney General Rakita um, kind of go crazy, uh, and, you, and you know that you've lost it when libertarians are saying you're crazy, um, but, but w- watching this unfold has, has just been a dumpster fire. Uh, just thing after thing after thing, giving you know bad light, bad image to the state of Indiana and our top legal uh, spot in the state. But the thing that really bothers me is we're asking if he's going to potentially be removed from office because of this disciplinary actions. And I have a problem with that. We, we know he's crazy. He was crazy on the campaign trail. Um, the Hoosiers elected him. I don't know if it's appropriate for him to be removed from office, essentially, by a professional standards board, essentially. It's not a criminal action. He didn't violate the law. He just, you know, potentially violated standards, which are open to interpretation. So it's I, I, I hate to be on Rokita's side here because I do think he's, he's kind of insane. But I don't know if, if it's right for them to undermine the will of the voting public. I mean, he wasn't the candidate that I would support. But he is who won the votes of the Hoosiers. So, uh, Evan, I'm not totally. I, I'm push back on you just a little bit because the the statute of this is clear. Uh, and, and normally, we we have elections and people make decisions. And unless someone you know high crimes misdemeanors are removed from office, however, with 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 Rokita, the the law is pretty clear. To be attorney general, you have to have a law license. And if you don't have a law license, you you can't be attorney general. Now the question is. Will he lose his law license or will he be suspended or will he be disbarred? And will he get his law license suspended with a, with a chance or with automatic reinstatement? I, I think that's more, more the bigger issue. But, but on the issue of, of, of attorney, you've you got to be a licensed attorney to be attorney general. That, that's pretty clear. Right. And I'm, and I'm not disputing that. What I'm saying is, is that they are essentially removing him from office through a disciplinary action of a professional standard. He is a public official, and while he's required to have a law license, this is, you know, a basically a a tribunal that is going to have the, the ability to remove him from office by taking away his law license. And I don't think that somebody serving in a public office elected by the public should be able to be removed like that. That's that's 
that's my feeling on it. I understand that it's a professional license and that they have codes of conduct and responsibility, but it's not a criminal thing. And there are plenty of Hoosiers who are also crazy who support the things that Rakita was saying and doing. Uh, Blinds, let me get your thoughts on on uh, Rakita and this and this whole law license thing. Uh, do you see a do you see a situation where where the attorney general can actually lose his law license? I do, and I think uh, you know I think Title Four is pretty clear. The Indiana. Uh, of Indiana Code, you you've got checks and balances for a reason, and I think to the contrary of the argument presented uh, here with 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 a tribunal, quote unquote, that's essentially what what you've got in Indiana Code with the legislature, and and that's why this was. I'm, I'm sure there are other reasons that this uh, section of code was written this way too. But I mean, you you've got a a question here that. You've got 150 legislators that will be responsible for, and if there's not enough teeth in the Indiana statute, they will be called on to do it. And I'm not necessarily sure we want to open up Title IV of of the code to the Indiana legislature right now, Um, nor do I I see a a merit for it at this point. But it was written that way for a reason. And, you know, this is the highest legal officer in our state. We need to have a higher standard. I completely hear those um, with the dissent that was written. I completely echo that. Um, or excuse me, not the dissent. I apologize. Um, there was, uh, in the opinion that was that was released so far on, on the first issue, I, I guess we'll see what they'll have to say on the next one, um, depending on whether that pleading is, is, is it public yet, Abdul? I, I haven't checked today. Uh, the, um, do the, we have information on that? Uh, this particular, last time I checked this morning before we did our interview, uh, everything was still as it was yesterday. Uh, Rakita has not responded yet. Okay, well, I guess we will find out. Um, but no, I don't. I don't think there's any outcry here over having a quote-unquote tribunal. This is this is checks and balances, and this is what we have designed our beautiful uh, uh, quote-unquote uh, Republican form of government for. You know, this is this is how it works. Uh, Cam, let me get your thoughts uh, on. Uh uh, not necessarily will, will Rakita lose his law license, but would you, would you be surprised if he had a challenger at the convention next year because the attorney general is picked by, uh, is nominated by a convention, not by a primary? Uh, it, look, Todd Rakita is not the first or last ambitious politician, and if someone sees an opportunity uh, here because they perceive that he's weak and they're a Republican and they want to be attorney general, he certainly could uh, face um, a challenge at the convention. I mean, an interesting thing here is that if my memory serves, um, the attorney general of Indiana is not a constitutional office. It is created and regulated by statute. And I, and, uh, I think I can also recall in, in recent memory where the attorney general was at odds with the governor. And, and I don't know about you, but I can fire my attorney. Um, and that's not something that, that our current system uh, with the statutory office of the attorney general um, can, can contemplate. Uh, maybe if they really uh, want to get the legislature involved, they take a whole look at it and see if an appointed attorney general might be uh, something uh, to uh, to investigate. Our guests on the program today are Republican Cam Carter of the Court and Group, Lindsey Hake, Upward, Upward Strategies, and uh, Libertarian Evan McMahon, uh, Chairman of the Indiana Libertarian Party. We're uh, going through sort of the, some of the big stories of this year uh, and sort of uh, looking ahead for next year as well. Uh, a governor's race. Uh, five main candidates for governor were on stage uh, this past week at the Denton's uh, Legislative Conference, albeit one was virtual, uh, Mike Braun. Uh, they tried to distinguish themselves, whether it was over taxes, whether it was over the LEAP district, uh, whether it was over qualified immunity. 
Uh, Cam, we'll start with you. Uh, is there a front runner in this race so far? Yeah, uh, I was in that uh, room and in, in, uh, at that conference where where they appeared, and uh, I, I think there is a front runner nominally, and it is Senator Braun, and he was the one who was literally uh, physically on the screen hovering over all the other candidates at this point. Um, I think there's some credible internal candidate polls out there uh, that show him with the lead, but I think at the end of the day. Um, each of these candidates has a background and in the main will be have name recognition and be deeply resourced. So uh, I think it's really going to come down to uh, policies and personalities and and the execution of their respective campaign messaging here between now and the the May primary next year. Uh, Lindsay, any front runner in the governor's race yet? I would agree with Cam. I, I 100% agree that the front runner is, is Senator Braun. Uh, but I think this is going to, I think we're going to have just a law of numbers tells you that we're going to have somebody, either, we're going to have somebody else come into this race or we're going to have somebody leave it. Um, I, I'm not necessarily sure that we've, we're going to have all of these candidates be able to endure another four months, five months of campaigning and to be able to continue to to pay their staff and pay for this polling that apparently seems to be preferential, even though, you know, I guess I'm a Democrat. My polling gets poo-poo, but when you guys do polling, it's cool. Um, <laughs> I think it's important to see um, to see what, what shakes out with these folks and, and whether or not they'll be able to continue the fight, because I love, love the fact that this in, inspiring uh, slew of candidates, I'll be honest with you, it, it certainly inspired some uh, political dialogue that perhaps on issues that we would not have seen, like, for example, the Leap District, that has uh, the fact that these folks are being asked these questions and, and some candidates like Brad Chambers and others are having to, um, their back is against the wall on, on the Leap District. I think that's fantastic for some of these issues that otherwise would not have the attention uh, that, that they would normally be granted. Uh, Evan, obviously you're a libertarian. Uh, you guys got uh, a contested gubernatorial race. Uh, any thoughts on who could the, who the front runner technically is right now on the, on the Republican side of things? On the, okay, good, because I can't say I'm a libertarian. As the chair, I have to be neutral in our internal party stuff. Um, but I, I think it's probably Senator Braun, but also Lieutenant uh, Governor Susan Crouch. I think that I, I'm hearing more from her um, or hearing more about her from uh, Republicans around the state. Um who seemed to like some of her messaging. One of the big ones was she stole a libertarian plank that we've had for 54 years now, which is eliminating the income tax. Um, but so I, I think that there's, it's probably uh, Senator Braun, but I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people on the ground that are, are favorable to the lieutenant governor. Well, one thing, folks, I'll say about uh, whoever the front runner, is, front runner is in this race right now is, uh, to use an analogy, it's kind of like being the tallest midget in the room, for at least at least for right now. Uh, we won't know for sure uh, who the lineup is until after we get uh, through signatures and uh, people actually get on the ballot. We'll have a much clearer idea uh, of who's a, who the who the governor is going to be. Uh, Eric Doden uh, announced he has his signatures. I know Jennifer Cormick; she has her uh, signatures. Uh, anybody in that race in that in that group of Republican candidates who may not get their signatures? Uh, Cam, we'll start with you. Boy, um, you know, never say never, but if, if I had to assess the, the field, I, I think if, um, Braun and, and, and Chambers and, and Doden and the lieutenant governor, uh, Stancroft, are all deeply resourced 
um, either both financially or at the grassroots level. Um, I think my, my question mark here is for uh, former Attorney General Curtis Hill. Um, I don't know that his campaign from publicly available um, you know, fundraising reports is as deeply resourced as the others. And you've got to have literal boots on the ground uh, collecting those signatures at you know, homes, shopping malls, uh, wherever uh, they're, they're to be had and found. And it is quite an, an undertaking to do in, you know, uh, 92 counties, nine congressional districts. Um, so I, I would say that would be the, the, the one that stands out in a, in a negative way to, to me. I just have a question mark about the, the, the resources that, that he would bring. But he's run statewide uh, before, well known amongst, you know, the Republican grassroots. And, and maybe that will be enough uh, to to uh, uh, counteract any any lack of financial resources at this stage. Uh, Lindsay, let me get your thoughts on that. Uh, do you think, uh, because Curtis uh, is sort of uh, short on the money side, uh, that that sort of grassroots, uh, that, that Micah Beckwith, Jim Boppish, Micah Clark uh, grassroots efforts can get Curtis Hill on the ballot? Ooh, you said a lot of names there. Um, and I think it was in and your... Two Micahs at that, so there we go. <laughs> Um, I think, uh, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hire either of those folks to uh, pick up the dog crap on my lawn. But um, I think uh, you, your newsletter reported that uh, Curtis, former Attorney General Curtis Hill, only raised sixty-six thousand. Was it in the past? I think so. Yeah. Three months. So, I mean, that's a very bad signal. Um, and if I were, if I were him, I'd be thinking really carefully about how to keep people on board while not being able to to raise a significant amount of money that could compete with your very well, very moneyed interests on on the rest of the ticket here. So, do I think that they could perhaps force them? For is that your question? Uh, whether these micas could force him out, um, or, or whether the whether there's enough grassroots support out there to get Curtis Hill on the ballot? To keep him on the ballot, I got you. No, I don't. No, 100% not. This is a fringe group that doesn't know what they're doing. No. All righty. Uh, Evan, I'll get your last word on this part. Well, uh, I actually saw a, a petitioner in uh, Bloomington, Indiana, uh, out there gathering signatures from Cormick. Um, so I, I, I'm willing to bet she's got her signatures. I have not seen any uh, campaign com- uh, activity from Curtis Hill. Uh, I've not seen any volunteers out. I've not heard anything. There's, you know, I, I travel up and down the state, all 92 counties, and I've not seen a thing. I've not heard of anybody out there uh, uh, circulating petitions for him. He's the one that I think is probably the most likely to fall out of the nomination cycle. Our guests on the program today are Libertarian Ed McMahon, chairman of the Indiana Libertarian Party, uh, Lindsey Hake, Upward Strategies, and Cam Carter of the Corden Group, my Republican, Democrat, Libertarian friends, all walking through uh, sort of the year uh, in politics. Uh, my friends, uh, now comes the fun part, uh, the big story of 2023. Uh, Cam, we'll start with you. What would you What would you say is the biggest political story, either, either state, national, or uh, local? Boy, state, national, or local? Well, I think I think probably the one that could have a potential greatest impact is is the the war between Israel and, and Hamas currently. Um, but I, I would have to say that the largest domestic political story that will also have lasting impact and seems to be ongoing is. Um, and I don't think the FCC would allow me to describe it in the terms I would prefer, but how Kevin McCarthy and the House GOP have conducted themselves since 
winning the majority back in the House of Representatives. You had the multitude of ballots that seated McCarthy. You had the concessions to uh, a relatively small ultra-conservative or ultra-MAGA uh, faction that led to his ouster and a, a, a just, you know, a circular firing squad there uh, within that GOP caucus. Um, and it's not been something that is, you know, fun to, fun to watch as a Republican who, you know, fervently hopes that the party can find its way uh, to a post-Trump reality. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, Lindsay, what do you, uh, any uh, big or state national stories that just really caught your attention this year? Oh, I don't disagree with with Cam, that's for sure. Um, Huge, huge implications uh, nationally for the Israeli, um, the the, all of the drama ongoing with um, not only the inability for some legislators, some congressional members to condemn Hamas. But I mean, the conversation is just uh, happening so quickly. And it's startling to believe that I'm here listening to folks who can't condemn terrorists. Um, so I think that's a pretty big story right there, that's for sure. Um, but I also think locally we've got some really, really huge things that happened. I mean, look here in um, in this year, in this past primary, we defeated three incumbents in the Indy City County Council races. That was huge. Um, you've also got a, a significant uh, ability for a Democrat to make some serious headway in the gubernatorial race with Jennifer McCormick. I'm, I'm so excited about her race to hold these folks accountable for terrible decision-making at the state house. And um, I'm, I'm very interested to see how the fifth district turns out as well. Uh, so you've got some pretty interesting stuff going on here. I, I refuse the, I absolutely reject the notion that Indiana's flyover state. There's exciting stuff going on here. It's very, very, uh, it's a huge opportunity to, to be part of it. Evan, your thoughts on uh, Big Story of the Year? Well, I'm, I'm going to echo, too. Sorry, guys. Um, I, I think the uh, war going on in Israel and Gaza right now is probably front and center is the biggest story of the year. And, and the way it impacts us here locally is you know, seeing the atrocities and the murders that were committed uh, in October and then the just the, the war-torn activity going on after the fact. The biggest thing is for me is the conversations that are happening and that, uh, you know, critical conversations have eroded or evaporated. Uh, you're either uh, pro-Israel or pro-Palestine, and if you're not one or the other, um, you know, your opinion's invalid, or, uh, you know, if you're somewhere in between, and if you're on either side, one side or the other sees you as a terrorist. But there's there's no way to sit down and have an honest conversation about how um, – how we got to where we're at in this situation. Um, you can condemn the actions of, of insane murderers and still say the follow-up actions are wrong. Um, but in today's society, we can't have that conversation without being labeled uh, an anti-Semite or uh, anti-Palestine or a terrorist supporter. And so I think the, the reason why this is the biggest story for me is just how our ability to discuss these topics has dramatically changed in the past year. Our guests in the program, Republican Cam Carter, Democrat Lindsey Hake, uh, Libertarian Ed McMahon. My friends, uh, 2023 has been an interesting year. Now let's look forward to 2024. Uh, well, we have a presidential race. We have a gubernatorial race. We have a U.S. 
Senate race. We have uh, uh, legislative races, uh, also some referendums across the country. Uh, what big story, what big idea, what big thing, uh, Evan, we'll start with you, are you guys be looking at in 2024? I mean, I think that the thing that we want to focus on most is uh, the taxes in Indiana. Um, I think that that's people are finally, you know, people's property taxes, mine here in Marion County went up 47%, and I got absolutely no property tax relief. Um, I didn't get, you know, an increase in services. The potholes in front of my house are even bigger. I still live in a war zone. Um, I still have problems with my water, but yet I'm paying 47% more in property taxes. Uh, we look at things like uh, the fact that you're taxed on your utility bills. The state is making income off of you paying an essential item to keep your electricity on, which you're required by law to have. They're taking a tax cut out of it. Uh, or the fact that the state has two state taxes on fuel. So I think uh, that's going to be the big focus for us uh, as libertarians is uh, you know the fact that the state is just taking money out of your pocket every chance they get. And they're running a, a, a huge budget. I, I don't understand why Republicans have always been for, you know, a little smaller government and fiscal responsibility, but yet our state budget has just ballooned over the past 10 years. They haven't cut taxes once. They just keep adding taxes on and increasing this and increasing that. It's ridiculous. So that's that's our focus in 2024. Uh, fiscal sanity, let's call it. Uh, Lindsay, what what uh, what big story? What big ideas? What big thing uh, you're going to be paying attention to in 2024? I'm going to be paying attention to the Indianapolis City County Council. I'm going to see what they're going to be talking about with public infrastructure. I know that there's uh, some uh, exciting things in works with with some new members of the council who are looking to prioritize people uh, by safer streets, safer sidewalks, existing sidewalks, uh, public transit. Moving forward, uh, the opportunity for uh, for folks in Indy to uh, have a better life and do better by them and do more with those those taxes that um, that our, our libertarian friends complain about. Um, but I think it's an, a great opportunity across the state as well to see um, new leadership come into state to a city like Terre Haute with Brandon Sackman. You've got a new mayor there. You've got a new mayor down in Evansville with Stephanie. So I'm I'm super excited to see what happens in in our cities in this state. Looking forward to it. Uh, Cam, I'll give you the uh, second to the last word. Uh, what what big ideas? Uh, what big thing are you going to be pinching to and focusing on? Um. I, I am a Republican, but I am in the minority of the party, and I will be watching the only thing I think really matters, and that is the multiple indictments of Donald John Trump, their effect in their court system and how they work their way through the judiciary and on what timeline and whether or not he succeeds in becoming the nominee or God help us all be reelected president of the United States, given what we know about him uh, the facts and evidence and the rhetoric coming from him in his campaign. All right. Well, like I said, we covered a lot of ground today. Our guests in the program had been our good friends, uh, Republican Cam Carter of Corridor Group, uh, Lindsey Hake, Upward Strategies, and Evan McMahon, Chairman of the Indiana Libertarian Party. My friends, as always, thank you all very, very much for being with us. We appreciate all your input this year. And don't be shocked and don't be surprised if I call you back next year uh, for all the fun, all the fun stuff we're having. I, I never knew a black man could be so happy. I tell you that. <laughs> Thanks, Abdul. All right, thank, thank you. you. Happy holidays. Thank you. 
This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.